Welcome to the Win Daily Show. This is your PGA live stream coming at you every single Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I am with Draftmaster Flex, otherwise known as Joel Shrek. My name is Sia Najad. We normally have Nick Brettwish, but he is taking the day off this week. Uh, I think he's on the Better Golf Pod. You can catch him there, but he's backed up with some work. So it's just the two of us. Joel, how are you? I'm doing well. And, you know, just to bring everyone in on what we were just talking about before the show started, right? It's exciting when golf does something different, right? Like, it's always the same tournament and it's the same kind of expectation. Now we've changed up. We got teams. We don't know much about the teams. We're learning about these teams and who's going to play well together. It's exciting. It's fun. So I totally agree. It's funny because when the week started, I saw some people on Twitter specifically saying, you know, I'm checking out this week, you know, kind of like almost being like condescending to this particular tournament. And I'm like, I actually think there should be a few more of these. I'm not saying you should have 10 of these, but I'm saying you should probably have three or four because I think anytime you have a team atmosphere, whether it's the Ryder Cup or whether it's, you know, just two teammates going going at it. I just think that brings a different dramatic element into things, especially on Sunday when when it's down the stretch. What we're going to have at the Zurich Classic, we're going to have alternate shot on Sunday. So whoever your squad is, you know, or whoever you're rooting for, it's like two guys. They both have to be in sync. And there's a lot of pressure that is added to that. I understand that the concept of, hey, one man and it's all the pressures on him. And that's great. But like you do want some variation. I think this is the variation that a lot of people are looking for. So I'm absolutely all for it. I mean, we're here in Louisiana. Just for those of you that don't know what's going on, they're like, it's a team event. I went on DraftKings or FanDuel and it's weird. The whole setup's weird. So a couple of things to keep in mind. First of all, just some of the basics to cover. It's par 72. It's about 7,500 yards. Um, we didn't have this last year because of COVID. The defending champs are John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. And I, again, president of the Ryan Palmer's fan club sitting right here. Um, there's 80 teams in the field, 160 players total, obviously. So you got two two guys per team. Uh, and here's the important part. It's best ball on Thursday and Saturday, and it's alternate shot on Friday and Sunday. So what that means as far as best ball is concerned, listen, if, if Colin Morikawa gets an eagle and Matt Wolf gets a double bogey, Matt Wolf's his score doesn't count. You're going with whoever got the better score on that particular hole. And in this example, it would be Colin Morikawa. In, in most examples with them too, it's going to be Colin Morikawa, by the way. Um, as far as alternate shot, Colin shoots off the tee and then Matt Wolf he takes the second shot and then they alternate. And, and then on the next tee, Matt Wolf is going to be off the tee and then Colin Morikawa takes the second shot. They, they're going to rotate in terms of who goes off the tee. So that's really the concept. I mean, what that really means is for two of the days, the, the better guy is going to be better for that team. But on the alternate shot days, which includes Sunday, it's really important for both guys to be in sync. So for me, and Joel, I'm about to ask you what you're looking for. But for me, what I'm looking for is two good guys. I really don't. I mean, I understand you can get by with having an elite guy and a guy who's maybe not very elite or maybe who is just not striking the ball well. Feel free to do that. There's variation in golf and, and that could work for you. But I'm going to be more balanced in terms of the teams that I select, and I'm going to be looking at guys that are both hitting it well. Now, those guys might lack some upside in terms of looking at the metrics and, and their birdie percentages and things of that nature, but that's just the strategy I'm going to go with. And frankly, using the example I used, I'm not going to be a big fan of the Colin Morikawa, Matt Wolf type teams because on Sunday or Friday, uh, I'm just not willing to count on Matt Wolf to carry that team on those days where he's going to need to participate in a 50% type way. So, Joel, how are you attacking this? Is, is that how you're feeling? Or are you kind of going, hey, let, I'm going to take the big upside guy and hope the other guy can just kind of come along for the ride? 
So, yes and no. I think originally going into the week, I was thinking I want just a big upside guy and the other guy's still a pro, right? So he should be able to contribute in some way. But then as you start looking at the breakdown of the actual lineups, the, there's only a handful of big upside guys and they're all priced up. So you can't really do that because you can only set up in a way where you can only really have them in a lineup. So, yeah, there's a few of those top lineups I want to target. But for the most part, you can't kind of just jam those lineups in. You have to diversify. Now, one thing that I'm looking at this week that is is helping me shape how I want to build my rosters is because you have two pros in these unique formats, the scoring, even though it's it's still scoring the same as it would any other tournament from a DFS perspective, it's going to be super low. There's going to be a ton of birdies. There's going to be a ton of eagles. We're going to get more three birdie streaks than normal. So we need to play into that, right? I would think, you know, not that we can predict now what the finishing position will be, but that probably means less, right? the bogeys and whatnot, it's not going to matter as much because we're going to make up so many points and the, the different three streaks in a row and eagles here and there. There's going to be ways, so many different ways to get DraftKings points. The main factor to me is you, get a, you need to get the cut makers because you need guys that are going to score four days as always. But that's going to be critical because if you don't have the four days of scoring here, you have no chance whatsoever. Um, you get your four cut wakers and you get the winner because obviously if you're the winner, you did something ex- spectacular. And then from there, I think it's kind of like a guy could finish in 20th, right? But they could that team could have, you know, whatever, 45 birdies and 25 bogeys and not maybe, and you know, maybe have better scoring the team in 10th. So from that standpoint, I just want to kind of make sure I get my cut makers and try and find the winner. And from there, we'll, we'll let the last fill in. Yeah, and when you say make sure you get your cut makers, it's really interesting. I kind of want to get your commentary on this because I always put lineups in right away. Before I even do really much research, I'm just I'm just throwing I just kind of want to see what I'm able to do. And frankly, I like to put in lineups before research because sometimes those lineups do better because you're operating off what the eye test showed you and and your instincts and sometimes that that works out versus, you know, just, you know, laboring over the stroke gain metrics and, and sometimes getting those those numbers off of what your instincts are. So with that said, it was really hard to make lineups. And it almost like, I don't know, Joel, I want to ask you, and I know this sounds kind of ridiculous, and I understand this is a hard tournament to set up for DraftKings and FanDuel because you have this partner approach. It's very unique, and I'm sure from a tech standpoint, it was just very hard for them to put together. But with that said, did DraftKings make a mistake with the pricing? Because I don't really see how they're incentivized to, to make lineup construction so prohibitive you know in terms of like getting a couple top notch guys and getting some guys in the middle range like there's no incentive for them to do that and i'm just wondering like was was a mistake made and they just sort of ran out of time and they're like well this is what it is because there's no tournament in the history of DraftKings from a pga standpoint where you can only take one top tier guy and one like 9k guy and then all of a sudden you're in the high 6k or or like the 7k flat range like what are your thoughts there so in this one, it's funny. You're right. I'm actually I'm going to give DraftKings the benefit of doubt. Let's not forget, while this tournament and concept is new to us, it's also pretty new to them, right? So uh, I think they were looking at this and like I think they wanted to make it challenging, and they didn't want everyone to kind of play the same guys because it, it is. It, I think and, and see, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it is a little bit smaller because of the teams than a normal field of rosterable players. So I think their thought process was. If we don't do that, everyone's going to have pretty similar looking lineups. So this is a way where we have to say you have to choose from these tiers. Otherwise, you know, you won't be able to play all these teams. That's my thought. Well, you know, what's really interesting about that, though, is 
what I'm gathering is that there are a lot of, because people have to go into the cheap range real quick, I think there's there's going to be a lot of similar lineups. I think this is going to cater to a lot of lineups that are going to have like the chalky Doug Gim lineup because it just fits, right? And, and, and there's we'll talk about some other guys in the 7K range or the high 6K range that like people are just going to fit in there because the name recognition is there. And it's like, oh, they're good ball strikers. And this is all I can do with the money I have left. So I think... I think there's going to be some really good pivot opportunities here. And I think there's going to be some major, major chalk in that 7K range specifically. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I've looked at some ownership numbers on, on different sites. You know, the Win Daily ones come out tomorrow. Steven publishes those for us. I actually think the ownership numbers this week are total garbage. We'll see what Steven has. His, his are never garbage. But, like, the, the numbers I was seeing, like, in uh, comparing a couple sites, like, first of all, the numbers didn't even make sense. I think people are having trouble with the programming in terms of, you know, if you pick John Rahm, is it is it John Rahm that's owned with Ryan Palmer? You know, so is it is it messing up the percentages if somebody's picking Ryan Palmer instead of John Rahm? Like, there's so many, like, different factors here. And again, when I saw the numbers, I, I this is the only time I'm ever going to say this. Like, I just don't believe in the ownership numbers. And I, I feel like I have a really good idea of what they are based on what I'm hearing on like the podcasts and, you know, different shows that, that either I've been a part of or that, that I've listened to. So um, we'll talk about kind of what, what guys we think are chalky as the show goes, but let's get started in this 11 K range. It's interesting. We'll break down. Normally we do 10 K and above, but that's pretty big this week. So let's start with the 11 K above where we only have, four groups of guys. We have Xander and Cantley, John Rahm and Ryan Palmer, the defending champions, of course, Colin Morikow and Matthew Wolf, and Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman. Uh, any of those you're chasing this week? So, you know, I think clearly the most talented team is Shoffley and Cantley. Ouch. Best golfers. Ouch. However, however, I will not be playing them. I don't like Cantley's <laughs> form. Um I don't like paying the most for those two guys in this in this tournament. I don't think they're head and shoulders better than everyone. Right. Uh, I mean, I think you know, if I'm talking world golf rankings and all that kind of stuff, like those are the two best the best team of guys. Uh, but I just don't think they're great. Like they're they're not my cup of tea this week. I just I don't like Cantley's form. Shoffley's been okay, but um, I just don't see it from them this week. I do like Palmer and 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 um, Rom a lot and. I think part of it for me is, you know, they have, they've already had a lot of success together previously in this tournament as a team. I think that counts for something. And then you're also, you're, you're probably getting the best golfer in the field in John Rahm to go along with, you know, as we've always said for, I don't really know how long since the show started, the most underrated who now is probably not underrated anymore that people have come around, but you know, Palmer is great. And, you know, if you're going to get two guys that can both, you know, either guy could have been an A plus player on if they weren't together. Right. And now they're on the same team. So that's one – that is one pairing that I'm going to try and cram in. Um, Matthew Wolf, you know, I don't know what he's doing. He doesn't seem like someone that I want to be playing, doing anything. And because of this format, Morikawa can't mask all of that. Right? He's going to have to <laughs> – he's going to have to bring, carry some of the weight himself. And for that reason, at this price, I won't be playing them at all. Um, if they – I will say, though, if they were in the 9K range, I would consider them. But – you're really relying on them to really do like top three. They have to be at least, and you have to have the winner. Otherwise, you know, their, your, their, their, their price won't help you. So I won't be playing them. I do. I find Leishman and Cameron Smith really interesting. Cameron Smith is playing lights out. I mean, he has been on Leishman's been playing well, really well as well. So you're just getting two really solid golfers. 
for this format, I think they're not like the biggest birdie makers and things like that where I feel like you'll want to attack. And at this price, you're going to really want to be optimal. So, you know, I'm not going to be too overweight on them, but if I wouldn't tell anyone not to play them. Yeah, uh, let me just tell a quick story as I as I retweet this on on Twitter um, for my profile. But let me tell you a quick story. I had Stuart Sink last week, but not as an outright. I thought about it, but I had him as a first round leader. So, Joel, I'm driving down to Miami last week to meet a so name drop alert here to meet David Meltzer for dinner. And so I couldn't watch the last like basically hour. And so I knew that Cameron Smith was charging and I knew I was in the lead at 90 to one. Mind you, that was a first round leader at 90 to one. And the short of it is I finally parked my car and I look at my phone. And before I can even check scores, I, I had posted my ticket, by the way, once he had posted the minus eight, Stuart saying, I wasn't celebrating it. I was like, okay, now the sweat starts, you know, that kind of thing. And all I see is comments on, on that post being like, sorry, bro, man, that must've hit you hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, like, so I didn't even get a chance to like, look at it. And I, and I learned that Cam Smith chipped in from the bunker on 17 and then birdied 18 because his approach, he got it like, you know, from like a 180 out, he got it like two feet to the hole. It was really, really upsetting. And then the DraftKings teams that actually had Stewart Singh, because we had him, we were on him last week sure. on the show. Um, you know, a lot of those teams, I had Paul Casey with it. So it was just one of those things where I just, I had a few six out of sixes last week, like all of us did, but it was, it was really, really kind of upsetting. I didn't want Stewart Singh to win because I, I didn't want to be like, Oh, I had the first round ticket, but I didn't have the outright. But good for Stewart Sink. I don't, you know, I don't know. You know what's sickening about that too? See, is Sink led every round but the first, and exactly. he was like, and he was like, he should have. I mean, like he played, he was eight under. It wasn't like he was. He should have been the first round. That is, and the fact that you didn't make money off that and you had a bet is just sickening. Well, and the other part of that is, and as good as Cam Smith has been playing. He wasn't good the rest of the three days. He was like very average, you know? So it was like, man, the one time he decided to shoot a nine under was the day Stuart Sink shot an eight under. It was pretty disconcerting. I, I actually agree with you. I don't know how Cam Smith is doing it because if you look at his strokes gain metrics, you know, off the tee on approach, they're really not that good. In fact, in fact, day one, Day one, he lost strokes on approach, and he still got to nine under. Uh, Rick Gaiman posted that on, on his uh, Twitter profile. He went back to 2015, and I think the quote was, there's never been a first-round leader that lost strokes on approach and still became first-round leader until Cam Smith did it because he's just chipping in from everywhere. So I think that's an interesting team. Um, that's probably the team I like second best behind John Rahm and Ryan Palmer, but the reality is, you know, you can only take one of these teams if that. So J John Rahm and Ryan Palmer are going to be my team for most of my teams if I'm even up in this range. And then, you know, my secondary team is going to be Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. But honestly, as we get to this 10K range, you might want to start here because the reality is it's so hard to build these teams. So like if I'm doing 10 teams, I think I might have you know, four with John Rahm and Ryan Palmer, one with Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. And then I'm starting somewhere below that for my, my next five teams. So let, let's start there. I mean, you know, Bubba Watson, Scotty Scheffler, I think are super, super interesting. Tony Finau and Cameron Champ, uh, I'm going to be off of them. Billy Horschel and Sam Burns, they're going to be super popular. Sam Burns is from here. He's an LSU kid. Billy Horschel is tailor-made for match play, and he's won here before. Uh, Danny Willett, Terrell Hatton, Chris Kirk, and Brendan Todd. I'll tell you before I kick it to you, Joel, as popular as Sam Burns and Billy Horschel might be, I'm not believing in that team, really. I don't really believe in what Sam Burns has done outside of what he did about six, seven weeks ago. And, you know, as good as Billy Horschel's been, 
I, I'm not so sure I'm convinced that he's an elite ball striker at this point. So I'll let I'll let that chalk go a different uh, direction. I'm I'm moderately intrigued with, like I said, Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler. But the guy that I'm going to roster, the guys that I'm going to roster the most are probably Chris Kirk and Brendan Todd. It's a boring team. They're not necessarily birdie makers, but you can guarantee that they're going to make the cut. And, it, and if the putter gets going, uh, which these guys can putt, particularly Brendan Todd, then all of a sudden these guys could be near the leader, the top of the leaderboard on Sunday. So let me kick it back to you, knowing that I like Chris Kirk and Brandon Todd. I probably like Bubba and Scotty second. And if I had to pick a third, it'd probably be Danny Willett and Terrell Hatton. What say you? So from a roster construction perspective, this uh, range is not all that appealing to me. I don't. I think a lot of these guys are good, very good. Uh, but I don't think there's as big of a gap between them as what I can do maybe $1,000 cheaper. So uh, I want to be able to round out more balanced squads here because, you know, we don't love dipping too far into the 6K range. So, you know, I do think, you're the, you know, Rom and Palmer is a really talented dude. I'm going to get them in there. Um, you know, I do think Scheffler and Bubba are interesting. I don't love Bubba, but, you know, Scheffler can get hot and Bubba can contribute a little bit there. I think they can be interesting. And I do. I actually like Finau and Champ a bit. I think their games are interesting, right? Finau, as we know, can be up there with anyone as one of the most elite players. And we've seen Champ playing well recently. I mean, Champ has – and if you're going to get, you know, added addition of one of the best drivers, you know, crushing the ball out there, and then you get Tony coming in and maybe getting some better short shots around that with them together, there could be a nice duo. So I actually think they're pretty interesting. But other than that, like my issue with, with you know, the Horschel squad is – I just don't think they're that much better than some of the teams that we can get $1,000 less. So while they're good, there's nothing wrong with them. From a roster construction standpoint, it just doesn't make sense uh, for me. And the same concept is going to apply for Willett and, and, and for Chris, for the Willett team, the Willett and Han and the Kirk and Todd team. Um, I'm just going to try and, and find better ways to, to do, to round out my lineups. Yeah, now, that's understandable. And then honestly, like when I first looked at lineups, like my eyes were immediately drawn to Kirk and Todd, but as the week is gone, I've gotten a little bit less excited, but it's one of those things where I ride Kirk and Todd quite a bit, especially Chris Kirk lately. So, I mean, Chris Kirk, by the way, he's really good on Pete Dye courses. I might not have mentioned this, but this is another Pete Dye design. And if you actually on rickrungood.com, um, that again, that's where Game Insight. You can actually look at the strokes gain metrics by team. Joel, you've probably seen this as well. So you can look at the combined averages by team. And just a note, I mean, this isn't anything super impressive when you consider how expensive Todd and Kirk are. But just a note, they're eleven. They're rated eleventh in this field in total strokes gain. So just something to consider. Like they're they're they might look a little expensive to you, but they're up there for a reason. These are really good ball strikers that can get hot with the putter, and they've been fin- they're, they're finishing positions, particularly Kirk. Not so much Todd. Um, I mean, Kirk's been on a run. Okay. These, back to what I said, these are excellent plays, right? So I'm not saying these aren't good plays. I'm just saying it's hard to do con- roster construction this week. So for me, I, that's a, it's a hard decision I had to yeah. make. But my decision was I got to lean toward a little bit balanced if I want to avoid going down to the Cisco range a bunch. Yeah, it totally makes sense. A, a couple comments here. Uh, this is kind of funny. Joe Sharon. Uh, I love watching Billy Tank on PGA Tour Live. Extremely entertaining. You know, what's funny about that to me is that I kind of enjoy that too. And I'm not that guy that's always like trying to like celebrate people's misery. But for some reason, when Billy Tank's like, it's entertaining to me. I don't, is, is he just really not likable? Is, is that the thing? Well, another thing that me and my friends noticed watching him recently is he looks exactly like Christian Bale. Has anyone else noticed that? <laughs> I, mean, I was going to do like a dog. I was like, oh my goodness. It, it literally, they look exactly the same. 
Then you he think does. about Batman and he gets angry and it's like, whoa. <laughs> um, and then Scott, Scott, thanks for watching as usual. Um, I don't know if this is a question or not, or, or you're just making a statement. But, you know, in, in terms of different styles, I mean, Bubba and Scotty don't really have different styles, do they? I mean, they're, they're just going to be killing the ball off the tee and, and seeing where the – I don't know. What, what do you think, Joel? Is, is that something you're concerned about? Uh, I can see, like, you know, Bubba is very unique in what he does and his approach to things. Uh, maybe if you want to just kind of call Bubba different on his own, yeah, and the lefty thing. Oh, that's true. And the shot shapes and, and things of that nature. No, that's yeah. a good point. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, of course, Bubba's left-handed. Yeah, okay. That's that's fair. Um, so I guess it's a question or maybe it's, a you know, I, I, I'm not worried about it. I mean, I, I think these guys are, are the type of guys that can really kind of sink your lineup or all of a sudden, you know, you're killing a GPP because of them. So I'm going to have a couple shares, but it's certainly not a team I'm leaning on. Um, down in the 9K range, okay, so this is a slightly bigger range than that 10K range. Um, I don't. I guess I don't need to go down the list, but as I scan it, there's a couple of teams that catch my eye. And one of them, again, going with the theme of team boring, Keegan Bradley and Brendan Steele. I, I like those guys a lot. I mean, they're they're great ball strikers. Keegan Bradley is is his finish his finishing positions in I think it's five out of the last six tournaments he's been in the top 30. Brandon Steele has made nine cuts in a row. He didn't do so well last week, but he's made nine cuts in a row. These guys are just cut makers. And Brandon Steele's starting to find a decent putter. We know the the putter for Keegan Bradley is, you know. Very sporadic, if not bad, most of the time. But Tita Green, these guys are awesome. If you look at their total strokes gained, they're they're inside the top twenty. But if you look at them, Tita Green, they're number seven. Okay, so what does that mean? That means they're killing the ball, they're they're striping it, but they just can't get hot with the putter. Well, what happens with the putter sometimes? Sometimes bad putters get hot. So I think this is a reasonable price for these guys, and and I'm I know I'm going to be all over them. Before I kick it to you, Joel, the other team that I'm interested in here, believe it or not. <laughs> is uh, Thomas Peters and Tom Lewis. Now, Peters, you're not going to see a lot of numbers on him because he plays mostly in Europe. He's played twice over here. It was at Corrales in Puerto Rico. You know, obviously those fields aren't super strong, but he was top 15 in both of those. The two tournaments he's played most recently in Europe, he's been top 15 in both of those as well. So he's finishing really well. He's got major incentive to come over here and crush it because he doesn't have a PGA Tour card. Tom Lewis, he's made, I believe it's four cuts in a row, including a, a top 25 at the, at the RBC. So I feel like this is kind of a sneaky team that like nobody's really going to pay attention to because right below them, you got Sung Jay. Right above them, you got Keegan. Right above them, you got a good team too in, in Louis Ustazen and Charles Schwartzel. So I f- and then, of course, above them is Justin Rose and Stenson. So I feel like this is the team that's going to be like kind of unnoticed. And it's a team that I think can win you a GPP potentially. So, Joel, who do you like in this 9K range? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good take. Um, I think that this range is pretty interesting to me. You know, the first team that jumps off the page that I like a lot are Homa and Gooch. Um, this is a this is a solid team. Both of their approach right now are, are really hot. They've both been playing really well. I think you're getting – what I like most about this team is that it's not one guy that you're relying on and another guy. These are two solid guys. You're not having an A-plus all-star, but you're getting two really solid guys together. And you all you need is the, these two guys to just be consistent. They, they seem like they're definitely going to make the cut. Um, and, and you should get two pros playing this well. You should be able to accumulate enough birdies and whatnot to compete. Um, another interesting one, you know, Victor Hovland is is awesome. So getting him at this price feels good. Uh, 
Ventura's been bad, so you have to kind of you have to take that with him. That's obviously why you're getting him at this price. But you know, there's a funny picture going around Twitter of them, you know, as kids playing in a tournament and like Hovland yeah. lets them overweight, kind of like me, and you know, Ventura looks. So it's like you know, it's funny that they're obviously have a, a past, um, and so you know, because of that, that maybe will strike a little something. Obviously, you don't want to let your buddy down, right? If it was just some Joe Schmo you're playing with, you wouldn't care, but. You don't want to let your buddy down. You want to make sure you play well for him. So I think there could be an intriguing storyline behind those two. Um, I think you're you're spot on with Bradley and Steele. I like them a lot too. I like Lewis and Peters. But the last thing you didn't mention that, that I do find interesting are Sungjae and Benny Ann. So Sungjae's playing lights out right now, and he's competing in every tournament he plays in. Um, and I just have a feeling that, like, the same concept that I was saying before, these, Benny Ann has the ability. He's one of those guys that we love for, like, you know, first-round leader, showdown tournaments. He has the ability to do that one round. If Sanjay can mask some of his mistakes this week where he can pick them up on those holes that he blows up, and if we can just eat up the birdies that he'll get, right? Because that's what he does. He'll get you the birdies. The problem with him is he'll get three doubles and four bogeys and ruin the round, right? Well, if, if Sanjay can make up for that, and, and maybe that those doubles and blow-ups won't matter, and he can give you the birdies where Sanjay needs them, this team could be interesting. So, that, in addition to the fact that I don't hear a lot of people talking to them, I think the ownership should stay down. I think this will be one of my favorite that, – that duo will be my favorite play in this range. So the only problem I have with Sungjae is he's finishing okay, but his approach game has been pretty bad. I mean, he's just not gaining enough strokes on approach for me to be confident in him. Um, you know, he has played a little bit better in that regard lately, but I'm just not convinced. I mean, it's one of those things where I see where you're going, and Benny on can get hot. Um, you know, not a great putter as well, but – you can all, you can all, anybody can putt well in any given tournament on any given day. It's possible. It's just not probable in his case. But I just like the other teams around them too much to to rely on a Sungjae's approach game, frankly. But I'll tell you what. Let's go to the 8K range because I'm really curious who you like here. Because when I looked at this range, I basically hated it, and I, and I sort of forced myself in my initial picks write up, which of course is on WindailySports.com. And I shouldn't have done this, but I forced myself to like at least write up one of them in the 8K range. And I and I said there was a there was a I'll tell you who it was after you go, but I, there was a qualifier in there. I was like, do not put these guys in cash game. They're GPP. They're actually the, the guys I'm thinking of are going to be chalky, but I just I'm not comfortable putting them in a cash game regardless because I think people value them more than they should be valued. So with that said, who do you like in the 8K range? So I'm just I'm just guessing based on how you you said that that it's probably Kisner and Brown um, for the reason that they've had a lot of success in the past. So people are going to overvalue them because they've they've been a successful duo. Um, you can't ignore that. I mean, if they the fact that they've consistently competed is is something. Their full current form. If I didn't, if no one told me that they've been so successful as a duo before, I would not be touching them at all. And that's the only thing that's making me consider them as well, where it's like, listen, they've, they've consistently competed as a team. So I'll probably end up getting a few shares of them in because of that, but definitely won't be overweight on that because just their current form. I haven't seen much from either one of them recently. So I don't know. We, we're relying on the magic of the tag team bringing something out of them, which is not something that uh, that I'm ready to do. For, for the record, um, that's not the team I was thinking of. But oh, I'll, really? I'll, I'll reveal it after you finish with the 8K uh, range. But by the way, uh, just a side note, I, I believe Christopher Ventura and uh, Havla went to Oklahoma State together as well. So I, I think they were wow. they were friends kind of through the whole through the whole golf experience. So, um, but anyway, go ahead. 8K range. Who do you like? You know, I, just while we're, you brought that up, I almost think that being good friends is a bad thing, right? Because it's like 
there's almost like more extra pressure to let your friend know. It's like if you're not friends now that I think about it, it's like, listen, we're buddies, like we're playing together. I want to do well, I want to win with you, but like we're not friends. There's no extra pressure here. If I don't talk to you again after this tournament, I don't care. Let's just go out and win some money and then play golf, right? I think that might be the better formula for this than like your buddy for 20 years that like when you put it in the water, you're like, oh shit, now I gotta turn around and look at you and you're like, you're costing me all this money. It's, I mean, it depends on the psychology of that particular individual, I think, because I think you're right. There's pressure when it's your friend, but your friend can also like potentially sort of relax you in, in like, kind of like put you in a mode where, where, you know, Hey, you know, just, just play your game. You know, it's almost like you got a second coach out there, your, your caddy and your, and your buddy. So you might be right. I I think the whole psychology of all this is interesting because I think a lot of people are attacking this from a psychology, from a psychological standpoint, like, Oh, this guy's good in team play. Oh, this guy gets to play with this guy. So that's really going to help his game. I'm for the first time ever kind of avoiding the narratives and you know me, I'm huge on narratives, but I don't really love the narrative. Um, the narratives that, that are going around this tournament. So I'm just sort of block. Like, listen, these guys are good friends. They played at Oklahoma state together. I'm assuming Akshay Batia and Scott Piercy, like barely know each other. And I'm not putting a weight on either of those, whichever side you're on. I'm really not putting a weight on it. Fair. Yeah. That's probably the, the smart approach, but yeah. Um. <laughs> this, is, this is funny though. This is funny. Flex, you need a hug. It's your, uh, yeah, since you think friends are going to make it more stressful. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, okay, so rounding out um, the AK range, who else do you like in here? Uh, so, yeah, to, to round this out, so I, I do think, I think Fratelli and Schumann are interesting. I like the combo of, you know, Schumann being really good off the tee and, and approach and Fratelli being awesome around the green. Just having that mix and match type of game, I think, could be really interesting. Um, there's a lot to like about Matt Wallace's game, right? There's not a lot to like about Graham McDowell. But if you want to ride Matt Wallace, you know, down here at 8,600, you can round out your roster. I think that could be an interesting idea. You know, other than that, I'm with you. There's not too much to target here. I think at the bottom of the range, the, the what could be interesting is the Gim Sue team, but that team looks like, like it's going to be chalky, which I don't love them enough where I want to play a super chalky Gim Sue lineup. So um, that worries me a little bit. And then the last one that I think I will play a little bit of is uh, Tringali Castro, you know, Tringali has been really good, you know, at 8K. I think it's a really good price. And I have no idea who Castro is, so hopefully he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Castro's flashed here and there lately. I mean, he, his finishing positions haven't been good, but but he's – I'm trying to remember if it was Puerto Rico or Corrales, but he had actually a pretty good tournament. I mean, if you look at the strokes gain metrics, there, there's nothing there to celebrate. But with that said, again, he's not terrible. And I think that's why him and Tringal are actually up in this range as opposed to maybe down in the 7K range. So that, that's actually a team I was thinking of. The team that I initially thought I might like, but then I was like, no, no, no. The, you mentioned them, and they are chalky, and it's Doug Gim and Justin Suh. And, and I think there's so much happening here because Justin Suh, at least for the, the the DFS community that's really involved, you know, we've heard Justin Suh's name over the last few months, and he's kind of this hot commodity like or potential hot commodity striker and he's just not really finishing super impressively. I mean, he's played a few on the PGA Tour. He hasn't finished higher than 28th. And, and that might not sound that bad, but like we're talking about like Puerto Rico and Corrales. And then the Corn Ferry Tour event just last week, he finished 61st. So he's not really coming in particularly good form. There's plenty of guys that played in that tournament that are here, like Peter Oline won it. Um, there's a guy we're going to talk about later who's a relative unknown that that came in fifth in that tournament. So I don't love his current form, and I just don't think – He's been that great. Now, the other side of that is Doug Gim, great ball striker, but his short game has been like 
terrible. It's been kind of hilarious if you actually look at it. It's like, oh man, the putting and the around the green game are, are just really bad. So I don't hate them. I think I think the price is probably right, but I do think you could probably win a GPP by pivoting off of them because they are going to be pop. There's a couple teams down in like the seven to eight K range that are going to be really popular. We're about to talk about another one that's um seventy five hundred on DraftKings. So you know, do the math there, but. I think if you find the right pivot, like EVR and Wyndham Clark, for example, or Roberto Castro and Cameron Tringale, or maybe Jason Kokrak and Pat Perez, you know, the teams in that range that might also be viable, you are really gaining on the field. So it's just something to think about. I think, you know, Doug Gim and Justin Sutter are fine, but I just don't think they are what you think they are. And so I think that's the problem ultimately. But all right, so let's go down to the 7K range. I mentioned the Super Chalk, so let's just get that out of the way. They're both very good, both good ball strikers. Chase Seifert's been good. I think... He's coming off a miscut at the Valero, I believe. But prior to that, three top 25s in a row, he's been very good. Starting to get popular. So you pair a starting to get popular guy with the guy that's already popular because of his ball striking in Matthew Naismith. And then you give him a price of 7,500. It just makes sense. You know, throw him in your cash game. I'll probably throw him in a bunch of GPPs. They're going to be super chalky, probably along with Doug Gim and uh, Justin Suh. Um, tell me how you feel about that team. And then tell me if you like any other teams in the 7K range. I'll tell you right off the bat. There's only one other team I like in the 7K range besides uh, Matthew Naismith and Chase Seifert. So here's my my take on that team. Um, I think without any other knowledge and just looking at the field and, and that's it, that's the best play in this range, or maybe the best value play that I would have put, picked out. However, however, those two guys to me just aren't good enough to be played at a chalky level. So if I'm if it looks like you know I'm playing GPP, so. I, if, if, it, if it's looking like these guys are going to be super chalky in with the higher on guys, I'm just going to pivot because especially in a tournament like this, like we're going to find a lot of other teams that are going to be able to make birdies. Two PGA golfers on the team getting lots of birdies. Like there's going to be lots of scoring out there. I think more so than ever, this is the week to, tr- I mean, it's going to be hard to actually know what the chalk is because of the way everything is set up. But if you know something is chalky, I think this week more than ever is the week to avoid it because yeah, two guys on the team, things can happen um there's it's going to be a lot less predictable and so a chalk doesn't seem like something especially at this range something that i want to chase yeah and and we have to keep in mind we're still talking about matthew naismith and chase seifert and, and especially listen i like chase seifert i think it's pronounced seifert that's why i'm not saying seifert but um i like him i think he's potentially an up-and-coming guy but he's not like this consistent guy that you can lean on as like oh i'll just take this team they're definitely making the cut like Listen, I'm going to roster them, but I'm not going to roster them at, at a heavy rate. Uh, it's not going to, this is not a free square. If you're thinking this is a free square, it's not a free square. These guys could absolutely miss the cut. I don't expect it, but they could absolutely miss the cut. So um, other than other than them, which I know you probably have a couple shares, uh, who else do you like in the 7K range? Well, I actually find a good pivot off them that I think is really interesting is Will Gordon, Michael Thompson. So mm-hmm. Michael Thompson's been playing really well recently. I mean, Last week was kind of like a course that he really likes, maybe even like a home course of his. So maybe you want to call that an outlier, but he's been pretty good even outside of that. And Will Gordon, for I'm someone who hates Will Gordon. I, I almost like he's an automatic remove from my player pool as soon as mm-hmm. the starts. I have to give him a little credit. You know, I, I'm not biased. I want to I call it as it is. He's been pretty decent recently. He's been better than uh, he has shown. You know, he's improving. Uh, so if we're getting a, a Will Gordon in good form and a Michael Thomas, both of them in improving form, this could be a good duo at at a price range that you're going to need, especially if you're going to be playing your Raman Palmer type stuff. So I, I like them a lot, especially as a pivot off of the Naismith duo. Um, 
And then continue to scroll down. I think another interesting team could be the Nick Taylor, Martin Laird uh, tag team. Um, you know, Nick Taylor, he pops, right? He has, he has a lot of outings where he, he gets a lot of those birdies, which is what we're going to need. Um, and, and kind of similar with Laird. I think they're both streaky guys. And I think definitely this is the week where we want to target streaky guys. So hopefully a lot of their blobs can get masked by their partner. And the good things, we can just kind of soak up all the birdies in course. So from that perspective, I, I do like that squad. And then you mentioned it. Um, you know, I heard you guys talk about it on the first cut. Also, like, I love that 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 Uline squad, the Uline Wierenski squad. I think it's a really good thing. And Uline looks like mm. he's been red hot. Um, if you're getting a guy like him coming into great form, and you know, Wierenski's been playing really well, and Wierenski's a really good putter as well. So if he can, you know, help this team drain a few extra putts, and that could be the the scoring edge we need. I think that could be another great way to to get different here. Yeah, and I think Wierenski's been a little off lately, but we've seen him streaky enough where, you know, he can string a couple tournaments together. And when he's hot, I mean, this is a guy that'll be in the top 10 on Sunday, or at least competing within the top 10 in the middle of Sunday. So, you know, it's funny. I wasn't sure about Martin Later or Nick Taylor or Michael Thompson and Will Gordon. I'm actually kind of glad you brought them both up because I'm never on Will Gordon and I'm always on Michael Thompson. So Michael Thompson had a good tournament last week. He kind of faded at the end. I think his Sunday was was kind of bad and his Saturday was pretty pretty average as well. But you know, he still made the cut. He's he's been making cuts and he's just one of those, you know, really good ball strikers, just kind of a ho-hum guy. You know, he doesn't do anything super exciting, but is he going to make the cut? You know, he, he's he's a lot more likely to make the cut than some of these volatile guys that, that are ahead of him in, in, in a lot of these tournaments. So um, I think that's, I mean, this is an interesting question here from Scott. And I, I, I want to pose this to you, Joel. Um, you know, Classically in a GPP, obviously we're looking for upside, but is is there a slightly different analysis in this tournament coming from your end? From the birdie maker question, or exactly. yeah, one hundred percent. And and I actually and I was I had a similar thought process uh, this past tournament um, on Showdown, right? And my thought process was right when when we all see like Showdowns because obviously Showdowns what I what I excel at when we see. You know, Sunday especially, finish position means something, and all the top guys are overweight and the exposure's all there. Mm-hmm. Now, that is extra important when it's a low-scoring tournament because there aren't the birdies to get, and those points are going to matter a lot. When there's low scores like there was last week, with guys going six under, throw out for I, yeah. I didn't even play Stewart Sink, right? Because what is it? He starts the day with an eagle. That's all it is. If he wins the tournament, he gets an eagle. But if he goes two under, that's not going to be enough in a showdown tournament where guys are going six, five under, six under. That's a ton of points. So this tournament especially, there are going to be a ton of scoring. There's going to be a lot of birdies, eagles, streaks of three birdies or more. With all that scoring, finishing position is obviously the winner. They're winning because they're doing something. So that's important. And cut makers, you need all four days. So that's important. So we're not just saying take the worst team. That doesn't make any sense. But um, – Thinking about it from like, oh, this team has the best chance of getting in the top five, that means nothing, right? Guys that can get birdies, scoring opportunities, that's what's going to be important this week. Yeah, and I think if it's funny, the way I read this question initially, I thought he was asking, are we looking for birdie makers or cut makers? I thought that's what the question was. Clearly, that's not what he's asking. And they're both good questions. You know, it's funny. In this case, I'm kind of looking for cut makers more than I am maybe some of the upside guys with lower floors in this particular tournament. And here's why, and Joel, maybe you disagree with me. 
Saturday and Sunday, okay, we're going to have best ball and then we're going to have alternate shot. So it's going to rotate. We're going to have best ball, then alternate shot, then best ball, then alternate shot. So on Saturday, even if you guys, even if you have a team that makes the cup, but maybe they're just not like their BOB percentage isn't maybe super high. Well, they get a, they get a full day of best ball. So, I mean, those scores are going to be really low. So you're going to get the benefit of some of the, like, you know, I would just prefer to have the guys that make the cut and just hope that be, like that Saturday and maybe Sunday too, that they're just scoring the lights out versus a guy that like, yeah, he has a high ceiling, but his floor is, you know, kind of low and he's, he's, he's going to be more inclined to miss the cut. Joel, any thoughts on that? So I think I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think I maybe just said it differently. Um, I agree with you in that first and foremost, if you get as many six of six as you get, if you can get six of six, that's you're doing it right from there. Right. I think the scoring is going to be lower than normal. Right. And a lot lower than normal. And because of that, like it's going to be volatile. Like I said, you can get guys that might finish in 20th, but actually score better than the guy in 10th. So as long as you have the six and six, all these scores are going to be low. And there's going to be all this different scoring opportunities. And it's going to be hard for us to predict right now who's going to get more birdie streaks. Right? That's that's at that point, just get enough days involved to get the opportunities to get those birdie streaks. So that's the thought. Get your six of sixes, as many laps as you can build that way, and that, that will be the winning formula. So before we get into the 6K range, which is like really difficult, I mean, there's there's not a lot of good teams there. But I do want to mention a team in the 7K range that I, I personally think is really sneaky and is completely off everyone's radar. And, and Joel, you might have heard this on the first cut as well, because I, I mentioned them there as well. Josh Teeter and Sepp Straka. So Josh Teeter is this guy that like nobody knows. And for good reason, you know, he hasn't really been around that much on the PGA Tour, at least not recently. On the Corn Ferry Tour, he's played twice in April. And he's been basically around the top 25 in both. On the PGA Tour so far this year, he's played in four tournaments. He's made the cut in all of them. So we're talking about cut makers. And then he gets to play with Sepp Straka, who can get hot at times, and who has also made four cuts in a row. I just think this is a team that, again, your eyes are going to kind of like glaze right past that team. And you've got guys that are making cuts, that are finishing relatively high, and that at least in Sepp Straka's case can get really hot at any given moment. I think it's just one of those pivots, again, off of Naismith. I actually think all the teams we brought up, Martin Laird and Nick Taylor, Wierenski and Uline, uh, Peter Uline, who was playing really well. He just won the Corn Ferry Tour last week. And then we mentioned, who was it? Um, one other team, obviously uh, the team I just mentioned. But those are three teams that are like pretty good pivots off the chuck. Oh, it was Michael Thompson and Will Gordon. So there's actually a lot of teams in the 7K range that I think are good pivots. And forget about the pivot part, might just be good plays regardless. So something to think about. Um, any comments on Sepp Strzok and Josh Teeter, though? You know, I, I wasn't on them, and but now that you mentioned it, I'm looking at them now, I, I think they make sense. I think you're right. You know, we've seen Strzok get hot. Uh, Teeter's kind of strokes game numbers look better than I was anticipating. So I think that could be a nice sneaky play. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we're looking for here. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of volatility in this tournament, um, like most golf tournaments, but I, I think you're going to see some teams. I don't think there's going to be a lot of 6K teams that make the cut, which, by the way, is top 35 in ties. So that's like... 45% of the field that's actually making the cut. Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot in that 6K range making the cut, but I do think you're going to see more 7K teams um, than you think. I think some of these teams, not just make the cut, but I think some of these 7K teams are going to be in that top 10, uh, in that top 10 range uh, come Sunday afternoon. Um, with that said, listen, I, I have a couple. Throw, I will throw one more 7K team out there, and mm -hmm. the team at the bottom. I think we saw Sam Ryder get a little hot recently. I mean, he had a streak. Uh, where where he had a really nice run of ball striking, and he can he can get you those eagles. He's 
He's one of those guys that gets you those really good the sc- scoring opportunities. And, and Bo Hostler is, is not great, but, you know, as the second part of a pretty, you know, low-salary team, he's um, more than fine. I mean, his ball-striking numbers are above average. So put those two guys together. I, I think that could be another sneaky play in this range. Wait, are you saying Sam Ryder and Bo Hostler? Yeah. Is, is that what you said? Well, that would be a sneaky play if it was a play that existed. The problem is Bo Hostler is playing with Tom Hogue. And Sam Ryder is playing with a guy, if you looked at his stroke skein metrics, you're going to have to put your sunglasses on first because it's bright red and it's not good. Then I switch it. I switch the Hogan Hostler and I do not want Doc Redman. I'm out on Doc Redman. I mean, I'm looking at a list of just salaries, not of the teams. And so I saw those two were together. So I I misinterpreted it. To your point, though. I mean, Hostler's he just hasn't been good for quite some time. But Hogan Hostler is an interesting dart throw if you're doing 150 lineups. I mean, I I think they're worth you know a couple plays there. But in any single entry or three max, you know, obviously I'm not I'm not considering Bo Hostler in that equation. Um, six key range. I have a couple dart throws I like. Um, I, I know the Wind Daily team. We've been talking back and forth about a couple other uh, potential dart throws in this range. I'll tell you before I even go to you. Um, I think Scott Piercy and Akshay Bhatia are interesting. I don't think I'm going to roster them much. I do think they're going to be, you know, stay tuned in five minutes when we talk about it. They're going to be one of my first round leaders because I've seen Batia get really hot in the first round. And for the record, Piercy, his entire career has been like a first roundish. He's like a poor man's Charlie Hoffman. Like he'll be hot in the first round and then he'll just slowly fade away. So I think that's a really interesting pairing, but um from a DFS standpoint, I do think they have some upside. Uh, the only other team I like in the 6K range, and, and I will admit it's a it's a dart throw, but Roger Sloan and Aaron Baddeley. Now, Sloan had a miscut at the Valero, but he had three top 25s immediately before that. Aaron Baddeley, since February, he's made two PGA cuts in a row and two Corn Ferry Tour cuts in a row, including a fifth place last week at the MGM Resorts uh, Corn Ferry Tour uh, event. So I think those guys are playing well enough to justify rostering them uh, at 6,500. Uh, what say you in the six game range? Yes, yeah, so I think there's a few plays in here. I actually, I'm with you. I like that Batia Piercy play. Um, you know, I think those those are two guys that have the capabilities of going low. They are both good, like first time round leader types. So I think a format like this helps them more than anyone. Where those holes where they struggle, they blow up. They can almost get masked by their partner. They have help. So I think these are the types of tournaments where these types of guys might uh, see the most benefit from it. Um, I think KH Lee and Kyle Stanley, I mean, they, they're they both kind of sneaky plays that we always mention, kind of under-the-radar type guys. They're a team here. And I think the biggest factor is there. if you are playing the, the notion that there's a few teams at the top that are head and shoulders better, you're going to need to get creative down here to, to round out your roster. So this looks like a, a team that, that can at least be a cut-making team, which is what we're targeting. Um, and then we'll keep going right down the line, I think uh, – I, you know, I, I'm a little bit – I'm a fan of Bryce Garnett, and I think, you know, Adam Shank has been playing well recently. So, um, um, sorry, take that back. I'm a fan of Bryce Garnett, but Scott Stallings has not been playing well recently. So, right. um, I do not want to chase the Stallings part of it. Uh, but if you want to, you know, take a flyer on Garnett because of his form, I'm definitely okay with that. And then I do like, you know, going back to what I was saying before, I do like the, the tandem of Adam Shank and and, uh, and Duncan because D- Shank has been playing well. I think his recent form has been a little bit above average. We've seen something good from him. And Tyler Duncan's one of those, another one of those guys that that, that scores well, 
Um, you know, down in this range, I think that's as, about as good as much as we can ask for. So I like that duo. I think if you can get two plus guys, right, like that, that we're going through here in the six K range, I almost I think, like I said before, I think it's a benefit this style to those type of guys. So you know, anyone that you know, if we get a tag team of guys that we you know don't hate, then then I'm gonna have to. So after that part of this range, there's not too much I love. Um, the Merritt Streb team is interesting because Merritt is is coming off a a good week where his form might be really good, and and I think Robert Streb is a little bit underrated. So that could be another duo of, of two good golfers, but. That's pretty much the the majority of this range that that I'll be looking at. Yeah, I think the Duncan team is interesting. So I mean, I might have a player. I, I'm a big Tyler Duncan fan. I mean, he he's usually good for a couple rounds and really bad for a couple rounds. But maybe this sort of partner event, and maybe you know, because he's not going to have to pull as much of his own weight. Maybe that's actually a, you know a good setup for him. I do want to correct something. I mentioned Chase Seifert with. Um, with uh matthew naismith i i think i got his finishing positions mixed up with matthew sloan so let me just tell you what seifert's done his last six tournaments 42nd at the rbc 44th at the valero 18th at corrales punta cana third at the honda classic very impressive and uh looks like a 15th at the puerto rico open and then he missed the cut at the at&t pebble beach pro-am but before that he made another two cuts in a row so he's made it looks like seven out of eight cuts uh, with some pretty good finishes, not great finishes, but you know, he, he did have a great finish in at least a couple of those tournaments. So um, he, I mentioned Roger Sloan. He's the one that missed the cut last week and had three top 25s before that. So both of those guys are kind of emerging guys, but again, that Matthew Naismith, Chase Seifert tandem, it looks a little bit better now, now that I've gone over his finishing positions here, but at the same time, I think there's plenty of chalk or plenty of pivots to go off of that chalk. So just a just a note there. Joel, we're done with we're done with the DFS part. Do you have outrights or first round leaders? I don't have many, but I would love to hear what you're working with. And maybe I might cook something up while we're doing it. That's nice. Okay. Okay. So let's start with outrights. Okay. Let me count how many I have here. Cause I don't want to have too much in an 80 team field. One, two, three. Okay, five. No, I only have four outrights, and then I have five or six uh, first-round leaders because that's fun. I got to make a comeback. I was so close to cashing my 90-1 to that I I feel like this is my week. I'm, like, definitely going to cash first-round leader. Okay, so here are my outrights, Joel. I've got Chris Kirk and Brandon Todd at 25-1. to I'm actually not in love with those odds. I kind of wish they were more like 30, but I'm just so heavy on Chris Kirk. I'm such a fan that that I'm just going to go ahead and play that 25-1. to Um, Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele. I actually think 45 to one is a pretty decent number there. Um, Thomas Peters and Tom Lewis at 50 to one. And the final one I'm going to give you, (laughs) this is funny. We talked about these guys. They're 55 to one. And this is not the tournament you want to go past. Honestly, you probably don't want to go past 40, 45, but 55 to one. Let's take that ride with the guy that we kind of just don't know where, what he's going to do. And that's Castro and our guy, Cameron Tringali. That's 55 to one. So uh, Kirk and Todd, um, Keegan and Steele, Peters and Lewis, and Tringal and Castro. Those are going to be my my outrights. And then a, any – have you looked? Did, did you identify any that you really like? Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm with you. There's, the long shots here, they're just not giving you great long odds. So I'm not going to be trying to take too many long shots. But the two I, I've, I've spotted that right now that, that I could be interested in are the Nick Taylor layered at 70 to 1. Um, and I also, I think that the best value, cause I mean, there is a DraftKings price discrepancy to winning position here, 
is Thompson Gordon team of 90 to one. Um, so if you want to look at a long shot and have some fun, you know, like we say, put a dollar on, I think that could be interesting. Um, but you know, in terms of real, uh, teams that could, you know, really actually win this thing, um, you know, I'm okay with t- putting a ticket on Palmer and Rom at seven to one. Uh, and, and I, I also like, you know, taking a shot on the female champ combo and eight to one. And the reason for that, I'm kind of having a, a laugh about it is because wouldn't it be perfect for Finau to finally win something <laughs> with a partner and not, yes. a, not a be like his own victory? That would be perfect. That would be really perfect, actually. Now that you mentioned Thompson and uh, maybe while I'm doing my first round leaders, oh, here it is. Um, I'm thinking about them for a first round leader now because uh, something telling me that they can Gordon can put a day together. So I don't know. Um, but I like those outrights. Let me give you my first round leaders. I've got a couple short shots that I think I might just take off the list because they're not very fun. I'm going to take Brandon Todd and Chris Kirk off the list as a first round leader. And I've got, I've got Scheffler and Watson at 20 to one, not very fun. I did want to throw that out there. They're not guys that I'm going to have in the outright market or, or I'm not going to have a ton of them in DFS, but I do think they can get really hot for a day. We've seen it with both of them. And honestly, Watson's been striking the ball pretty well. Obviously Scheffler has as well. So I think 20 to one, it's not super fun, but I think it's worth taking a stab at. Um, I'll give you my breaking news in a second. Uh, Thomas Peters and Tom Lewis at 45 to one. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, uh, Akshay Batia, Scott Piercy at 80 to one. And who is this? I can't read my own handwriting, but oh, Sloan and Baddeley at 90 to one. Okay, so we have Sloan, Baddeley, Akshay Batia and Piercy, Thomas Peters and Lewis, and Scheffler and Watson. And the breaking news. At 40 to 1, the breaking news, which I'm delivering on 420. Oh, happy 420. Fun fact about me, by the way. And this is not a badge of honor. This is I'm not, I'm not wearing this as like, hey, look at me. I've never ingested any recreational drug ever in my life, including marijuana. Like I've just never like, and I'm like, you know, I'm 43 years old. Like you'd think at some point I would have turned a corner. Like I, I don't judge it. I don't like I've had it all around me and other stuff around me. I just for whatever reason, I've never felt incentivized to um smoke or have edibles or anything like that uh joel what say you am i a huge dork like what what does that say what does that tell you about me i don't, I don't know honestly i'm most surprised by the fact that you're 43 years old i did oh, not <laughs> fishing for compliments it wasn't very subtle was it thank you very much so, uh, yeah i was pretty actually i didn't think you were i thought you were younger than that so all right nice <laughs> thank you very much yeah so uh happy 420 for those who actually um partake and uh I don't know. One of these days I probably should, man. I'm, you know, I'm kind of stressed out sometimes. I got two kids, a wife, two dogs, you know, living downtown Fort Lauderdale. I can't say that I have never done that either because I have. Um, And, you know, I probably will celebrate the holiday after the show. So, but yeah, I mean, it's fun. You should try it. Right. Let me know how it goes. I need to be convinced. I know it's, it's gotten to a point where it's like ridiculous. Like I just need to, I just need to do it instead of like saying every 420 that I've never, I've never done. It's like, it's, it's like, it's such a nothing thing. Like it's, it's more healthy than cigarettes as far as I'm concerned. As far yeah, as everyone's yeah, concerned, I would feel worse point. about smoking a cigarette for sure. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. I don't even know why I said. As far as I'm concerned, that's like actually like a scientific fact at this point. <laughs> um, okay, so the breaking news, which I'm giving on four twenty, happy four twenty. Two days before the tournament is going to conclude their first round, I'm giving you right now, America, and the Wind Daily team that is watching us, the first round leader for the Zurich Classic in 2021 at forty to one is none other 
than Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele. You're welcome, America. Joel, I'll take your thoughts. I like that. I think it's a really good uh, first-round leader bet. Um, I think, you know, American, congrats. You got a winner. So. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and I'll even throw I'll even throw a couple a couple other first round leader darts out there for everyone just just to take a look at you know I I got two um, the first one I like is that the hostler Hogue because you know Hogue guys always seems to be a first round conversation he always True. seems to start well mm-hmm. and so looking at looking at a ninety to one line there I think that that's interesting and then I have another one that you should one hundred percent mortgage your home on like. If you're not putting every penny you have on this, then I don't know what you're doing. This is, I'm in. You shouldn't be saving any money. This is put all of your money on the absolute hammer lock of 150 to 1 odds. First round leader. And you know what I see? I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this team all day because this is your guy. Han Trainer. Oh, I love it. First round. And so obviously do not mortgage your house. Put $5 max on this. But. But these are uh, trainer does typically do pretty well in first rounds. Uh, and I just think 150 to one in this format for these two guys, just such a really long odds. Well, one thing to consider when you're when you're talking about first round leader is is Thursday's best ball. So you don't even need Martin Trainer to like carry most of the slack. I mean, James Hahn can be lights out for 15 holes and trainer for three, and all of a sudden you, you got which by the way is why I like Akshay Batia and Scott Piercy at 80 to 1. Scott Piercy flashes, particularly in first rounds, and we've seen it already twice this year where Akshay Batia has been like out of nowhere. It's like it's like 9:45 in the morning, the tournament's barely starting, the kid's like minus eight. And I say kid because he literally looks like he's 13 years old. It's crazy. I mean, he's, he's the not guy must weigh 120 pounds. He's like, I think he is like 20. Like he's not, he's a kid. Oh, I don't even think he's 20. Honestly, yeah, I think he's, he's 18, 18 yeah. or 19. Um, and so that, like that actually like gives some credence to some of these quote teams. Well, you're not really playing the team as much on that on Thursday and Saturday. I mean, you are to an extent, but you're really playing who's hotter uh, like in that particular day, because you could get a guy that's lights out. And if his partner sucks, it literally doesn't matter because it's best ball. Exactly. And that's where it's like, this almost feels like a week we've said before, this feels like we take some chances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously don't just take somebody because the odds are good, but this is a week to take chances. You're, you're a lot of the reasons why guys who aren't ranked as highly, a lot of the mistakes that they make can get masked because they have a partner in best ball format and stuff like that. Right. Unless you're Matt Wolf. Just don't take that team. Yeah, no, I'm saying don't take Wolf and Morikawa. You know what that means? Go ahead. If they were 150 to one, then I'd be it. Exactly. Always take 151. I already contacted the bank. I'm putting all my money on that. What was it again? Wow. Who was it? Who was it at 150 to one? It was the trainer and your guy, James wow. Hahn. Yes. <laughs> By the way, James Hahn, a former secret weapon. Um, the secret weapon uh, prevailed again. It was Tom Hogue. I was debating between Tom Hogue and Stuart Sink. I said that in our Discord, and um, fortunately, people listened, so they played Sink as well. But uh, Tom Hogue uh, succeeded past the cut. He scored a little bit, and the secret weapon is now 33 and six. Not too bad. Do we get a secret weapon team? I I thought about it, and probably not, because it's just so quirky. You're not really getting a singular secret weapon. If it was best ball the whole tournament, then I would probably go ahead and give it, because that secret weapon could be good for the the four days or for the two to make the cut. But in this case, it it doesn't seem – I will have some – I mean, honestly, I I think – what was it? It was that Sloan Baddeley play at 6,500. I think that might be a play I'm going to going to disproportionately lean on. Like nobody's going to play them, so that might end up being my like de facto secret weapon. But 
you know, that's that that that's going to be the extent of it. We won't count it against your record, but we still get a secret weapon, just not official record secret weapon. It's not an official secret. Okay. This is the first time because it's the first team event. Like this is literally. Oh, there was one other time where the field, like when the field's really short, you don't get a secret. Like when we're at the um the the end of the FedEx Cup and there's only like 35, 70 in the field, we don't do a secret weapon then either. But well, it's not secret weapons. It's secret weapon. Exactly, it's secret <laughs> weapon. It's true. Rule. <laughs> so that is our show. We went an hour. Well, I didn't think we were going to go that long. You know why? It's because I talk a lot. I'm sorry, folks. Everybody listening, I'm sorry. I talk too much. Uh, I think we got some great content here. And honestly, like I think there's some ranges here that I'm I'm more locked in on, especially that 7K range. And I think the 8K range that I didn't previously like that, Joel, you've gotten me on. So everybody um, get into our Discord. Get it. Go to windailysports.com. Sign up. We got a bunch of promo codes on there. You, you're literally in there for for free for like I think seven days, and we've got a, a bunch of other promotions as well. Um, listen to the Better Golf Pod with Sticks Picks and uh, Spencer Aguiar, and uh, catch us next Tuesday. It won't be a team event. Um, you want to do a Terrell Owens impression before we uh, before we we leave the uh, the thing he did with Tony Romo? That's my quarterback. That's my teammate. <laughs> no, you don't want to do one. It's it's teammate season, so I figured. But I I wasn't prepared for this. I don't know what you're... <laughs> I'll tell you what. You go enjoy 420. Maybe I'll grab a maybe I'll grab a scotch and virtually drink with Scott. Thanks for watching the Wind Daily Show. Catch the podcast. It'll be it'll be up there uh, in the Apple Store on the Wind Daily Sports uh, site probably in like an hour or so. And um, stay tuned to everything Wind Daily Sports. Uh, and speaking of sports. Sport.